Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Troy Pryor once again, host of the Cypher Live podcast, founder of Creative Cypher. We are just, you know, so happy to interview creative entrepreneurs and thought leaders, drop some gems, helping us along the way on our paths as entrepreneurs. Today, we have super dope creator, writer, Crystal Marshall. She stumbled upon two ways to utilize her writing gifts as both an employee and an entrepreneur. Since 2009, she's been a career coach expert and CEO of Right to Success. Seeking to impact the masses, she focuses on assisting clients in writing their way to opportunity through effective resume revamps, LinkedIn profile overhauls, and cover letter creations. She's also the executive assistant to Lewis Carr, president of media sales at BET Network, and a huge player intercourt member of the Wavemaker Journal. Crystal, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I am very happy to be here today. Glad to have you here with us today. So jumping right into it, I know that, you know, the world can't see, you said, you know, before we jumped on, the smile, the energy, because they're just listening to it. So I know that they're going to feel it through audio. But, you know, you always bring such a positive and just, uh, great energy every time we've had the chance to connect. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I think it's better to be that way. For one, it feels good to me, but then it also makes other people feel good. So I always focus on that inner work to be exactly that. So how do you stay, you know, so how do you stay so jovial? So, you know, how do you keep that, that positive spirit and energy going? Um, from what I've been told, I was kind of born just smiling, my mom says. <laughs> so I know that I have a naturally wide smile. It's very big. You can see all of my teeth when I laugh and when I smile. Um, but I'm also genuinely a happy person. And that is partially by nature and then partially by work. So I read a lot of books. Um, I also focus a lot on how I feel. I'm honest with myself about how I feel. And I work through emotions. I work through thoughts. I do all these things that I think are helpful for me to feel good so I can have a great energy within that also will exude when I'm around other people. Man, that's some powerful stuff. I mean, it takes folks a lifetime to... Uh, become self-aware enough to do what you just described. Yes, I've, I mean, I've gone to therapy too, so that also helped. But even prior to therapy, you have to want to seek something out. Like you have to go because you want to be there because they're going to ask you questions that make you think about a lot of things. And, and some of it may be painful, but you have to be willing to do the work. So I've always been willing to do the work because I want to feel my best and be my best. And that's always um, a goal that I've personally had. So when I'm walking down the street and I know that it works because people just smile and I might not smile at all. I might not even say anything, but I think they can feel the positive energy just by me walking past them or walking in the same direction as them. It's like a powerful thing, but it feels great. That's awesome, man. Energy is contagious. It's infectious. You know, it's the the um, ability to have an impact, especially a positive impact on someone's life, can be, depending on the situation, life changing. So yes, it's, it's amazing to be in leadership roles with the guidance and coaching and mentoring. 
until I met you do and uh, some of the other uh, entrepreneurial things that you have in your decks, like starting off with being self-aware enough to know how to check in, take care of yourself, uh, because there's an awareness that uh, you being healthy, uh, having a positive spirit has a huge impact on not only people around you, but your work. Yes, it, it means everything in in every aspect of work that I do, even my personal relationships with friends and family, too, but most definitely in work environments, because for one, I have a spirit of wanting to help people and not to be confused with the people pleasing spirit, but just one where I like to be helpful because I like to win and I like to see other people win. So I look forward to being an advocate and maybe even a sidekick to helping somebody else win. Uh, that's something that I enjoy doing. So I choose opportunities that will allow me to do that. So even though I started Right to Success on my own and I am the CEO of it, I'm ultimately helping people land opportunities that they seek. So they tell me what they want and then I help them go after it. And then in the role of being an EA for Lewis Carr, he has a lot of ideas. He's a true visionary, a true way maker, and he comes up with things that he wants executed. So for me to be by his side and helping him execute the vision that he has, for me, is very fulfilling. You know what? That's, you said so many powerful things in that. I love when you mentioned you choose the things that help you to um, you know, maintain that spirit, this idea of choice. Is so powerful uh, opposed to being um, uh, at the mercy of everything else going on. So that, that's an action item. You know, this whole show was put together and the greater organization, Cypher, was put together to support creatives in taking those next steps or uh, progressive actions towards achieving their goals. So just the idea of choosing, that's a powerful word because it's letting folks know, like, you have something that you want and you're choosing to go after it. And I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, you're essentially guarding your energy. You're vetting the things that you are willing to be a part of or not, depending on if they're fruitful or not. And a lot of our listeners can take a lot from that because so oftentimes as early entrepreneurs or early creatives, we say yes to a bunch of stuff. It may not be the best. You know, it's, it's good to be open to new opportunities, but I think you hit on a really great point that it's important to choose the things that set you up for success. Yes, and I think it has to align with your character, your integrity, your own goals. You have to compare it to yourself because you're the person that has to live with whatever decision you choose to make. And when I hear people say, I had no choice, you always have a choice. Maybe you don't like the choices that you have, but you always have a choice. And choosing to do nothing is also a choice. So a choice is always there. Nice, nice. So you talked about, you know, you dropped BET in there a little bit. You know, how has BET, um, in your experience there, shaped your perspective on business and media? Um, working at BET, it, I came upon it in such an interesting way because 
course, I've heard of uh, the network and I've watched the network growing up, but I never watched it and, and immediately thought like, I want to work there one day. Like, I, I didn't think that way. Um, I also have a business and nonprofit management degree from Earlham College, which is a Quaker private liberal arts school in Indiana. And so thinking about a nonprofit management degree would have never immediately taken me to the thought of working at BT either. <laughs> but I was um, literally looking for a TV show that was coming out. It was Kelly Rowland's dance show. And I just want to know what time it came on. That's the only reason why I clicked the link um, to go to the BT website. And then I heard an inner voice say, click careers. And I was like, why would I do that? Because at that point I had been um, writing resumes and creating school curriculum for CPS and all these other things through Right to Success. So I was not looking for full-time employment. But I always listened to those inner voices because it was clear as ever. So I did it. And then I saw this opportunity, uh, which is the executive assistant to the president of media sales at BT. So I'm like, first of all, I didn't know BT was in Chicago. And I saw that and I was like, that's Chicago. Like, I don't have to move. OK. And then I started reading the description and I was like, OK, I, I haven't been an executive assistant before, but I've done a lot of these things in a lot of roles that I've had in the past. And a lot of it even came from right to success. I've done a lot of things there. So my next question was, who is the president of media sales? And when I started looking it up, it was Lewis Carr. And then I didn't know who he was. So I went down this whole rabbit hole of who is Lewis Carr. And the more that I discovered about him, the more I felt like it would be a place that would position me um, at seats that I've never sat at before. Um, it would put me at tables with people that I would have never imagined. And this is just by what I read about him online. So I decided that I would apply. So it was a very strategic move for me. And in my mind, I said, if I get this up, this role, then I will make sure that I bring my A game every single day so that I can make as many connections as possible. So whenever this ends, I'll still be in a much better position. And that's exactly what has happened at BT with uh, Lewis. I have definitely been exposed to a lot of things that I have never imagined in a good way, not a Hollywood weird way. <laughs> You got to put that out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I have definitely sat in rooms with some incredible people and had great conversations and built true rapport. So I can call them directly. I can ask them questions. We can bounce ideas off of one another. And the biggest takeaway for me is that we really are all human for one. So nobody is literally higher than the other person. So I don't get nervous when I talk to people because I know that we're all human. And by me respecting who they are, but not being nervous around them, it makes the conversations and the relationships genuine. So that's what I love most about BT and the experience that I have while I'm here. That's dope. You know, the idea that you were looking up uh, Kelly Rowland show and your gut just said, you know, this looks like it may turn into something, you know, because so many of us, especially at you know early stages and really at any stage, we second guess our instincts. You know, we question. And 
not really sure. And, you know, if you are in alignment, you're taking care of yourself, and you're on the right path, and you're doing what you're supposed to, like your instincts, the universe is telling you something. And so I think it's great. You know, it is, isn't it amazing to just, if you think about all of the experiences that you've um, been fortunate to have, the doors that have been opened up, and you can go all the way back to that little voice saying, check this out. It is. It's incredible to think about it. I also use it as a form of encouragement when my resume clients are seeking new things or seeking some other role, because a lot of people would say, um, you've never been an executive assistant. So what made you even pursue an executive assistant role? Or you've never been in the entertainment industry. So what made you pursue that role? Because a lot of people, they think other people put them in the box, but they really put themselves in the box because they wouldn't even apply because they would say, well, I've been an, an admissions counselor before. I've been a writer before. I've worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car before. None of this has anything to do with BT. So why would I apply? And in my mind, I'm thinking I have all these transferable skills that clearly are in this job description. So I know I can do the job. So it's also about mindset and how you think about yourself. Because if you don't apply, how are they going to find you? So you're sitting at home telling yourself no before anybody else can even tell you no. Powerful. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to take that step. We had Lewis on the podcast last week, the week before. Um, one of his quotes came from the lottery. And it was uh, something to the effect of, like, you can't win if you're not playing. You know, it's like you got to be in the game uh, to win it. You know, you got to show up. You got to be another way. Of, you got to be present. It's 50% of success anyway. So I think that that's an amazing takeaway for a lot of our uh, creative entrepreneurs and uh, thought leaders. Another thing that really stood out is that you were keen enough, even in the very early stages, to see a pathway and to have a vision that this opportunity can turn into so many other things and position you for others. So it wasn't like you were just, you know, uh, looking at things on the surface level. You had enough foresight to know that this can become something even bigger. And that's a great takeaway for a lot of creatives and artists that sometimes just, they may only see what's right in front of them and not what those relationships can do for you down the road. Yes, I completely agree. I and I, I can't tell you that I've always been that way because I've definitely had jobs that I thought I wanted to do them, but I didn't really think that much about them, didn't research them that much. All I did was I saw the opportunity. I probably hated what I was already doing, so I just wanted to jump ship. But I knew that I needed the money because I don't come from a family that can take care of me if I can't take care of myself. So I was jumping from job to job hoping that I landed something that I was interested in, but that wasn't my biggest concern. It was really just let me be able to pay my bills. So I was picking everything and anything. <laughs> and then once I started that right to success, uh, that gave me the opportunity to really create and understand value within myself and then understand the power of choice. So when I was looking at the BT opportunity, I told myself before I even met Lewis, which was the final interview, that if I didn't like him, I just wouldn't take the job. Because for one, <laughs> I, 
like I, I'm not gonna do it. Like, why, why would I go sign up to work extra hard for somebody I don't like? <laughs> so, hey, I like that. Straight to the point. Very direct. <laughs> so I, I met him, and I loved the interaction that we had with each other, and it felt right. So then they said, "We'll call you in two weeks and let you know if you got it." And they called me that night at seven o'clock and was like, "Can you start next week?" So it, <laughs> it went well. So, you know, you do, um, you have, uh, in supporting so many others, you have your own concepts, your own strategies. How do you find balance when working with someone else's vision, but also implementing your strategy? I think a lot of it comes with my nature and my character. Um, I know how to lead, but I also know how to follow. So in this role, I have to do both and nearly in everything that I do in my life, I have to switch back and forth and know how to do both. So I implement whatever is needed in that moment. Some would say that means you're like a great team player. I guess you can call it that, but that seems so cliche because it's used all the time. <laughs> but I really do work well with others and then whatever the need is, I just move in that direction. I also know how to listen and i observe a lot so i have um, a unique gift of seeing things before they happen and some of it is based off body language some of it is based off a word that i know triggers somebody else so i know when things are moving in certain directions before they actually manifest and that's helpful to be proactive in keeping situations calm or getting ahead of things before they actually transpire. So that helps me a lot in this role. But Lewis is my boss. And that was hard for me to say for a long time because I'm, I'm a boss. So I was like, I got a boss. <laughs> you go. yeah, this in the next phase of this podcast, we're gonna have some sound effects. So I can do that. I used to always say the man who I support because I was like, I cannot. And they're like, oh, your mouth. I'm like, I can't. I can't say it. <laughs> but I get to use some of my bossisms too. And then I also have my own stuff. So I, I still do that as well. <laughs> you know, speaking, speaking of being a boss, you have to wear so many hats. How do you balance between uh, the role um, at BET and because so many of the creators that we support and work with are wearing a lot of hats, whether it's on one project or whether it's their nine-to-five and then their creative pursuits. How do you balance that? I think I'm able to balance it because I started to think of it differently. When I thought about balance, I thought about a scale. So I thought one thing is always higher or lower than the other. So that didn't really sit well with me because I felt like I wasn't giving everything my full and best self. But then someone told me that I need to look at it as harmony. And that felt better to me because like when you link your fingers together um, and so they're intertwined, whether you're holding your own hands or somebody else's hands. And so things kind of just fit. That's kind of what harmony is. So I have an idea of what I want to accomplish on a daily basis, but I also leave room for other things to happen. And I wake up every day with a plan, but know that that plan can also change. 
but I don't want to neglect my own business and I know I can't neglect BT and Lewis. So I do things as they come instead of letting things pile up and wherever I can fit time to do things, then I just make sure that I do it. I don't put anything off because the next day may bring something so heavy that I now can't do anything. That's, um, it reminds me of a strategy. I, I think it was called like light strategy, something in the nature, but it's like the founder of Walmart, Sam Walton, he used to have this philosophy where he would answer all of the messages that he could before the evening was done because he knew the next day it would just be piled back up. Now, emails may be a different piece, but because uh, you got to vet through a lot of that stuff. But the idea that let me tackle as much as I can because if I don't, it's just going to pile up. It's, Yes, because I, I can tell you I'm not a morning person at all. Like if, if it were up to me, I wouldn't start talking until about 10 a.m. So when people start talking at eight and nine, I'm like, why? It is too early <laughs> for this. But I know that even though I'm not the just pop out of bed person, like I do pop out as soon as I think about what I need to do. But if I didn't think about what I need to do, I would definitely lay there much longer because the bed is my friend. I like it. <laughs> Give us the pop out reference, Chicago artist, right? Pop out, <laughs> yes. That's out of the building. Speaking of Chicago, how is how is Chicago? Because I'm from Chicago, I'm from the South Side. How has uh, Chicago shaped your journey? You said how is Chicago? How has Chicago shaped your journey? Oh, um, Chicago is beautiful right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> right, it's the summertime still, sort of moving into fall. Um, but I'm a Chicagoan too. I'm from the west side of Chicago. Um, so I've been here nearly all of my life, except I lived in Philly for a little bit. And then I was in school in uh, Indiana, like I said. But most of my life has been spent here. Um, with this job, I travel mostly to New York and L.A., sometimes Atlanta. Um, but Chicago is still home to me. And this is where all my family is, too. So you know, let's talk about another one of your projects, Real Talking Jeans. So how did that show come about? Well, this actually started in 2013. And I was in a cafe called Donna's Cafe with a male friend. His name is Adam Farmer. And we were talking about relationships. And we realized that maybe as men and women, we had differences of opinion, or maybe it was just our personalities made it different. But whatever it was, we realized it was different. But we also recognized the value in us being of opposite sex, having those conversations with each other. And we weren't dating. We were truly just friends. So we decided that it would be awesome if we could bring people together to come and just talk about relationships from our own viewpoints. Um, because a lot of people, like women, will talk about it with women, but that's almost like the blind leading the blind to me. And then it's like men will talk about it solely with men. So we wanted a space where it's not a dating hookup, it is a place of conversation to provoke thoughts so people can talk about how they feel on different topics, relationship related. So we asked the lady whose cafe we were sitting in if we could have an event there monthly. And she said yes. So she said the only thing she wanted was people to like buy stuff from her cafe, but we didn't have to pay a fee. So we started to market 
and we had people coming monthly. So we did that for a while and then the cafe closed and then I didn't feel like looking for another venue. So it kind of just faded out. But then we went to Facebook and made like a Facebook group and people who would come to the events would then just talk amongst ourselves about different topics. And when COVID happened, um, oh, one of my best friends, his name is Jason, he would come to every single session. So he was well aware of what it was. And then one of our administrators in the Facebook group, his name is Nafis, he also came all the time. So he knew what it was all about. But when COVID happened, I was at home by myself because I live alone and I needed somebody to talk to. And I had a lot of thoughts on my mind. It, some was a relationship. Some was just fear of running out of toilet paper. It was a lot of things. <laughs> so, no, you went out there hogging all the toilet paper. Right. You know, I had a lot of, <laughs> had a lot of concerns. My ears were hurting from the mask. You know, it was a lot going on. So I called my best friend, Jason, and I was like, what if we bring real talk back but we just do it live between me and you and we let the audience give us questions prior to or they can type questions in the comments box and we just answer whatever relationship questions they give us from our own individual perspectives and he was like yeah i'm with it so we started going live every week during during uh, the pandemic during COVID on thursdays at 6 p.m central um, and then it just started to pick up steam. But then once we could go outside again, I was like, maybe we should do it like we used to do it back in the day. So then we don't have to talk all the time for one. And we can also get perspectives from other people. <laughs> so that's how it started. Um, uh, that's how it started up again. So now we have, we try to do like monthly events, but in the wintertime, I don't want to come outside. So we'll be back to podcasts in, in those times. <laughs> but, oh, you're, not, you're not trying to do one live, you know, in, in February? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Sign me up for the podcast. <laughs> so but it's like, a fun time. What's like one of the, because the, I know the conversations is, you know, they got to be very interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the funny one part. Of the craziest ones? Um, it's funny because when people come, what I have them do is before you can even get settled in, you write like two to three relationship questions on a piece of paper. You don't put your name on it. You just fold it up, drop it in a box. So those are the questions that we're going to go through while we're having our session. Um, and someone who's present will pull the name or pull the question out the box. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Jason. They'll read it out loud and whoever wants to answer the question can answer it. So this past uh, Saturday, we just had one. And one of the questions was, what is the hardest thing about being in a committed relationship? And then someone was like, well, what, what do you mean by a relationship? Which I thought that was like common knowledge. <laughs> I already know where that's going. <laughs> if that's the follow-up question, oh, it's about to get real rough. Right. So then everybody was like, oh, okay, this is what we're going with this. So then <laughs> we like, well, how about you define relationship <laughs> in your terms and then answer the question based on the definition that you provide? <laughs> so that's just an idea of how things end up going. Or we talk about uh, someone was like, what's the longest relationship you've been in? Are you still together? Why or why not? 
that one alone is like, it'll take you in all types of directions. Because one thing we say is that you have to be real. And we also say you have to be respectful. We don't say it's a judgment-free zone because that wouldn't be real. Everybody judges everybody, whether you do it outwardly or inwardly. We know we're human, so we judge. But you can still respect them, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just say we promise to be real. We promise to be respectful. And even when people are seemingly in the hot seat because people keep asking them follow-up questions to make sure they really understand how that person thinks and where they're coming from. Like nobody shies away from and no one gets defensive because we've created this space that is really open and almost very therapeutic for people. So they come and, and they sit there and they answer and people are never ready to leave. It's supposed to be two hours but they want to talk until seven when it's over at five. And I'm like, really? You still want to keep going? <laughs> you got something they're trying to get off their chest. Yes. <laughs> and another thing. Exactly. They have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had a great time doing it. I'm naturally an introvert. So people don't believe that because I am so friendly and I can, I can be so energetic outside, but Really, my favorite place is the couch with a blanket. So when I give all this energy at these events, I go home and I'm like, please, nobody say anything. Uh, to me. <laughs> you know, I feel that. I, I, you know what? I can believe that. I can see that. I have a very um, a similar approach to things. You know, as a performer and now as a media exec, we turn on, you know, the switches we need to turn on. But man, I could totally understand if I if I didn't have to speak or say anything, I probably would just be quiet most of the time. Just yes, that's me. <laughs> it's consistent with your ability to be observant because you can't listen if you're talking. You can't learn if you're always um, in front, you, and you can't see. You cannot see things sometimes when you don't slow down. So the idea of being an introvert is very consistent with being observant and having a um, certain vision of the world and it, it allows you to apply and you know speak when something is necessary there's an old quote that says um sometimes or how does it go it's something like this it's like some people always have to say something and others have something to say mm, i like that yeah you can uh, i don't know who quoted that but you know i mean i don't know who said it but I said it here, so it's, it came from the universe. Go ahead, and use, go ahead and use that one. But you know, going back to um, your your journey and supporting others, uh, tell us about just the title, the name, "Right to Success." Unpack that a little bit for us. What does that mean? So I knew that the business would start out as a resume writing business. I knew that because I started writing resumes at the age of 15 when I needed a job and my mom told me I needed a resume and I told her I didn't know how to write one. And she bought me a book and said, figure it out. So I wrote my first resume at 15. And then in college, I was writing my resume and then my friends started asking me to write theirs. So I was writing everybody's resume for free in college, but we were landing internships and getting job interviews. So it was working. But not once did I think like I'm going to start a resume writing business. But when I was working at Chase Bank as a licensed personal banker, 
I despised the job and I knew I didn't want to do it. I had been there for about a year and probably didn't like it week two, but I was just trying to give it some form of commitment. And my favorite aunt was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So she was my mom's youngest sister. And she um, was in the hospital for about 30 days. I was going to see her every day after work. And one day I stopped to get food. So I was running late. And when I got there, she was looking at the clock. So I thought that she was looking at the clock because I was late, but she was looking at the clock because she was reflecting on her own life and thinking about how she felt like she wasted her time because she worked at Allstate Insurance, but her gift and her talent and her dream was always interior design and decorating. So because she felt like she wasted her time, she told me not to waste my time. So when she said that, she passed about two weeks later and then I quit my job. And I was like, well, what can I do now? Because I don't want to go do another job that I don't like. So I wrote at the top of a blank piece of paper, what am I good at? What do I like to do? And then I just wrote all these things down. And a part of that was resume writing. But when I thought about what to call the business, I didn't want it to be resume something because I didn't know whether or not it would expand. And I wanted to leave room for me to write other things besides just resumes. So then I thought to play on words of write, W-R-I-T-E, to success, um, because no matter what I was going to write, it was all so that I could help someone be successful. Oh, well, you know, first of all, just the backstory behind that um, is heavy. That is, um, that's deep. You know, we are all here for a purpose reason for us to be here and it can be a challenge if we don't um, believe that we're on that path and eye-opening if we feel like we um, missed that opportunity but it's such a blessing that your mom was able to provide to you so that you can apply to your own life back to our earlier point, I think that it's consistent with what we were talking about. It's like taking care of ourselves or being self-aware allows us to empower others. And she really, really empowered you because you're doing so many amazing things right now. And sometimes that power comes out of uh, challenging moments. So just hearing you say that story is, is has an effect on me. Uh, as well, um, just to continue to go out and live out our purpose, especially, you know, thinking about those uh, where our primary listeners are a lot of creatives, a lot of artists that have in some way, shape, or form, maybe second-guessed themselves. Um, they've gotten into roles because of practicality, got to make money, but oftentimes don't um, use their gifts, their talents and abilities. So we want to continue to encourage people to do that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to see how you're able to take that and say, you know, this is what I'm going to do with my own life. And so that, that's a blessing because now it's turned in to this, you know, amazing endeavor. And you've made such a positive impact on so many individuals. And speaking along those lines, you're also a board member, um, 
for ideal candidate. Um, you advocate for early career growth in youth. So what are some of the most common skill sets or um, mentalities that young professionals should develop early on? I think um, what we try to instill in youth is definitely to always be prepared. Like be as prepared as you can possibly be. There's no such thing as being over prepared. And if you are, then you're in a great position. Um, we also talk about building rapport and not asking people to always do things for you, but actually showing value and letting people know that you heard them, whatever they talked about. So if somebody says they like horses or something, you were talking to them and then you saw this amazing horse picture, like just send it to them. That's like something so small. You're not asking them for anything. You just say, I remember you said you liked horses and I thought this one was beautiful and you send it to them. Like they will remember those things far more than you saying, I need a job. Can you help me? After you just met them yesterday and you don't know anything about them and now you're asking for something. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, people talk about soft skills all the time but they don't really describe what soft skills means. And if you're young or maybe even older and no one has actually defined it for you, just like we talked about defining the word relationship or not, <laughs> then you kind of miss the point and can never even work on those skill sets because you don't even know what it means. So we try to explain things to them to help prepare them for this, this life, that this journey that they're going to be forever on, whether they're an entrepreneur or a boss or whatever they are, it's always going to be being kind is applicable to everything. Um, building rapport means the world to everybody. So no matter what you're doing, you need to do these things and being prepared for what you say you want and then truly being willing to work for it on a consistent basis and to be honest with yourself on whether or not you're giving it your all because we can't tell you that on the outside looking in maybe we could but you might say that's my best that's the best that i could give today and that might be where you are but it does your best today look the same tomorrow probably not it shouldn't because then that means that you're at a different place where you're just kind of flatlining well i mean that was a, you wrapped up the episode pretty well with that one. You gave <laughs> all those final points. I'm like, yo, I know where our sound bites are coming from. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, I, I, I want to just um, say thank you for joining the podcast, sharing some time with us, um, giving some insight, talking about your journey. Really, truly hope that those that are listening out there can pull some pieces add those gems to their everyday life and uh, whatever way, shape, or form will uh, benefit them. Uh, but, you know, I always want to ask, you know, what do you have coming up next? What's next on the agenda? And how can we stay in tune? How can we follow you on social, all of that? Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I need to get my followers up on Instagram, so feel free to follow me at... <laughs> Put a blast out. Yeah. Right. Feel free. Um, it's at right, W R I T E, 
the number two success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S. So I am on Instagram, um, my website for my resume writing business, which is ultimately just a writing business at this point, is www.writenumber2success.com. And I am also an editing specialist for Lewis Carr's Waymaker Journal. Um, we are on our seventh issue, which just hit mailboxes this week. So you can pick up a digital copy or view the digital copy, and you can actually order a print at www.waymakerjournal.com. And then Real Talking Jeans was just nominated for a digital media um, Black Excellence Award. So we're hoping that we will win. We'll find out in November when we attend the gala. So I'll let you guys know if we won or not. But the fact that we're nominated, I'm so excited about that. So things are going very well. Um, so many things to celebrate and so many so little time to do so. But I'm trying to find pockets of time to to be grateful for all the things that I accomplish as I work really hard. Well, we're certainly grateful for you joining us today. Appreciate your time. And uh, everybody, you know, stay in tune uh, when we post this social and uh, app and Spotify. Be sure to follow Crystal and her brands. For everybody out there listening, once again, thank you for rocking with us on the Cypher Live podcast. Peace.